0: Welcome, listeners, to another exciting episode of This Week in Mormons. Your hosts today are Matt and Melissa, the twin siblings.
1: Hello, listeners. Hello, Matt. How are you doing?
0: Good, Melissa. It's been a little while since I saw you because you're always out having fun.
1: I know. Well, it is the time of year where I like to get out in the sunshine. I really do. Today's the last day of school, so um, I'm a teacher, so that means that I'm super Super ready for a break. Everybody always thinks like the kids are so ready to get out of there. I guess who else is? Us, your teacher.
0: <laughs> the teachers yeah. can't wait to get out. You know what, a, Melissa?
1: We need a change of pace, you know.
0: This totally reminded me of something that happened recently. So okay. you were so kind and you said, hey, I'm going to take your boys boating.
1: Oh, and wow. so they came
0: out to go
1: boating. <laughs> well, they wanted to go boating and we wanted to go boating. Like I've been anxious to get out on the water because there's so much water. It is cold, but yes. yeah, as soon as they were like, Can we go? We were like, absolutely for sure.
0: And so and my youngest gets out there on the surfboard. Yeah. And there was Matt, an
1: incident. I've and never heard, heard that first I've I've first never all, heard
0: this story. We
1: pull into the dam and it's cold. Like there's, there's thunder and lightning all around us. There's rain, but we're like, Hey, we got the boat out. We got the boys here. Let's just do a little bit. Like let's just, let's just see what we can do. And it wasn't like thundering and lightning right where we were. We could just see that it was maybe headed our way. <laughs> maybe. So he maybe. was like, yeah, I'll go first. He jumps in, he gets right up on the surfboard. First try. We were super excited. Um, he fell down. So he, he got up really fast, like three times in a row. He was doing awesome. We were, the rest of us on the boat, putting on our wetsuits, because we were like, it's going to be cold, but we're going to go for it. Anyways, he falls. Wait, and... wait,
0: wait. Did he have a wetsuit on?
1: Yeah, he had a wetsuit on. Okay. Yeah. He falls, and he falls kind of funky. Like It was like weird. It was like he twisted himself on the board as he was falling. Anyways... Um, he comes up and he kind of gives us the signal like, Hey, I'm done. And we're like, Oh, that was pretty fast. But maybe he just wants to let everybody else, you know, have a turn before the weather turns. So we pull the boat around to pick him up. And by the time we get there, he is covered in blood, like (laughs) covered in blood. And we were like, Oh, crud he got hurt. So he's, but he's smiling and waving. And I don't think he knows there's blood all over his face, but like on the boat, we're like preparing, like we're like an emergency hospital unit. I'm like, grab the towel, get the hot water shower going. Don't let him pass the swim platform. Like, like we're all like, you know, get the first aid kit. Boom, boom, boom. So we're, we're like business time. So like, yeah, my husband's running out there with the hot water shower, kind of hosing off his head and it just keeps bleeding and bleeding. But again, he doesn't know it's bleeding. Like he he doesn't know. He's like, "Yeah, I hit my head." So I guess he fell down and then the surfboard popped up and like smacked him right in the head. But it was kind of back where his hair is. So yeah. it, it was kind of in his hair, not like right on his forehead or something. Anyway, so so yeah, you know, we're hosing him down with the hot water thing. We're getting a towel around him. I'm running up with like band-aids and stuff, but you can't put band-aids on top of you know, hair. And he's like, am I hurt? And we were like, yeah. And your other son like starts taking pictures of him. Like, yes. obviously they're going to want to share it on Facebook. Yes. Um, but anyway, so he starts p- taking pictures and I'm like, do not let him see the pictures until we've got him cleaned up. Cause I mean, like he's going to freak out when he sees how much blood there is. I mean, it's just <laughs> gushing down his whole face. <laughs> anyways, um, he put it- so, yeah.
0: He put it on Instagram the next day and his friends were all commenting. And I commented, and I'm like, fake news. That didn't really happen. <laughs> and then all of his friends believed that it was fake.
1: Oh, shoot. No, it was it was a lot of blood. I found like an, an old towel that we like wrapped up and made him like hold on his head to just kind of stop it from bleeding. And so he's just holding it on his head like almost for a full half an hour. Oh, wow. Anyways, we ended up. Pretty quickly ending things because the weather was turning bad. But I know you know, we get back to our house and you come to pick them up. And I'm like, listen, before <laughs> you see the picture of what happened, I just want you to know that everybody's fine and we're totally going to go boating again. But there was an incident. My kids always well, call that a failed trip when I'm like taking us on somewhere fun. I always like, I'm like, let's go on a field trip. And they're always like, that was a failed trip. <laughs>
0: Well, so I believed you when you said he was fine. And so I didn't worry about it. And mm-hmm. anyone who remembers the story from my other son with his wisdom teeth will know that I'm not great at like post-trauma care with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. about a 20-minute drive. I'm driving him home. And then like about halfway home, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe he has a concussion or something like that. Oh, and, yeah. And I'm a doctor, but not that kind of a doctor. <laughs> right? And so I'm like – uh Did you ever pass out? Did you black out? Can you remember your name? I'm just asking Uh him like these vague kind of concussion questions. So I persuaded myself he had no problem. So then (laughs) we come home. Sandra has dinner already. We're all sitting down eating our meal. And at some point we mention like what had happened. And Sandra's like, what? (laughs) What happened? And then Liva kind of shows her this huge gash in his head. And she's like, I'm sorry, Matt, but I feel like I need to take him to the urgent care and get stitches. And I'm like, well... You know, we could or not. Just the size of the scar he's going to have someday. (laughs) So anyhow, they urgently went to the urgent care. They they get there, and the doctor looks at his head, and he's like, "Wow, you're a fast healer. This healed kind of quickly." And so then they like glued it up. Oh, good. And then fixed it.
1: I think the quick healing was because of my really good folding of a towel and saying, "Just hold this on your head. You're gonna, you're gonna be fine, bud. And don't look at the pictures."
0: Melissa, you are such a good aunt taking care of your nephew and having fun like that.
1: Thanks. I feel like it's more the credit to my husband that he's the best uncle, but I'm down for a good time anytime somebody's willing to make it happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, so we have listener feedback from from our mailbag and we always like to open up the
1: mailbag.
0: Yeah. So a listener wrote, they were listening to our discussion about church finances and they said, I think there is a balance somewhere in between full disclosure and what we've got now. Whereas Melissa said, we can read articles on the church news to see what we are spe- that where we are spending money. I would like to see something like a line-item budget. You don't have to tell me exact numbers, but what about letting us know that we spend 20% on temples, 15% on disaster relief, 35% goes into savings, etc.? I'd be interested in your thoughts on a middle-of-the-road type of financial disclosure from the church. Okay. What do you think about that, Melissa?
1: I thought this was great feedback. I mean, it just was a new way of looking at it that neither one of us had really talked about. Um, do they have any anywhere that they disclose like how much they percentage-wise spend on what? Do you know? No. In that no, audit no, no, report? No. There's nothing you, like this.
0: Right. They don't do anything like that.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you'll get it in a, a talk or something like that. Okay. Um, well, so the 60 Minutes report, if they're to be believed, um, they say that the church brings in $7 billion annually in tithing. They okay. spend $6 billion of it on uh church on running the church. Cause the church is not going to go into debt. Right. And then they put a billion dollars a year into savings. So is it, is it, or is it really like we want to know how they're spending, let's say that $6 billion of tithing money? Because I think, I think many, it is. You but don't. I, don't think, I don't think any disclosure would be satisfactory. Like, Okay, so there was this like spoof Instagram account where they they like make fake news stories about the church that make me laugh, and they said something okay. like, uh, whistleblower reports that the church put a hundred billion dollars into rare beanie babies that they're saving all their money in beanie babies, right? It's just okay. sort of like,, yeah. a way to mock it. Like what if they did? What if all of their hundred billion dollars is in Webkins or beanie babies or or crypto?
1: But I don't know if it would say that. I think it would say like this much is invested in stocks, right? Okay. Like maybe not specific which stocks. I don't know.
0: But why do we want to know? What is, well, like what does it make better? I've I've been trying to understand like what transparency would actually improve in this situation.
1: Well, I think what some people feel like is that any transparency improves the situation. I think that they feel like being left in the dark is – it just – it feels – like, unsafe, like, insecure. And there's an aspect of that that just feels shady. Whether or not it is, the fact that we're not going to talk about it just seems a little shady.
0: It feels like it feels like they don't trust us, right? That we're putting yeah. all of this trust... Like, they don't trust us to know that and then still pay our tithing or something like or that? Or
1: something. Well, and I do feel like we have lessons in church where it's like, hey, this is what your tithing goes to. Like, even as young as primary, it's like, hey, and you're... T- your- money goes to building temples. And that's really important because we believe in the work that goes on in temples, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I do think if there was some sort of a, like this listener said, like a just sort of a line item thing that's like, here's percentage wise where all of that money goes and what we're spending it on. And if it was some, even if it was like 90% we put into savings, I think as a church member, I feel like, okay, we're putting aside for a rainy day. And I feel better about that than maybe not knowing anything at all.
0: So, so you're a, a famously not a fan of church schools broadly for yourself, right? You don't you don't love no. going to church schools.
1: No, so, I mean I tried to go to a church school and it was not for me. Yeah.
0: So, so imagine that there's other people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were to find out that the church spends, let's say, half of its money on the church schools and seminaries and institutes and all of that, okay. You think like something like that that they'd be like, hey, this okay, I understand temples and missionary work and family history, but wait, church education, like you don't worry that there would be right. this feedback that's like, you're spending too much on that and you should yeah, spend it on Yeah, you're
1: right. Home. There would definitely be feedback. Whatever your issue is that you don't like, there is gonna be more people commenting and having opinions. And I guess, yeah, it's just a nature of does the church wanna have thick skin and just be like, listen, here, it is what it is. This is what we spend it on. And then as a member of the church, is that the hill I want to die on is fighting for where each line item budget, like if that is spent appropriately how I want it to be. Yeah. I mean, it does, it does open up a big bag of whatever, but I do, yeah. I do understand that this is more and more people feeling like, Hey, we, we just want to know something.
0: Yeah, I get it. I I get the reciprocity. The, the uh-huh. reciprocity angle makes sense to me. They say to me, pay your tithing and you shouldn't worry about how we spend it. And then they, their reciprocity on their side should be, we're going to spend it how we spend it. And we're going to let you know, and you, you, we have this like relationship in advance where you don't get to care. And, and so you can know, and we're not worried. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting if something like that could work. Anyways, thanks to our listener for um, writing in and um, yeah, we'd like to hear back from more of you and, and tell us what you think about stories, et cetera.
0: We love Uh, opening the mailbag.
1: We love it. It's so fun. (laughs) It's like getting an Amazon package on my front door.
0: (laughs) Let's get to the news, Melissa.
1: Okay, so for our quick clips this week, I just was wondering if you had noticed, and if this is true for every member of the church, but I get an email every single week from the church, and it's kind of like words of inspiration. Yeah. Um, In fact, it's called Inspiration from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I don't know how long they've been sending them, because I'll be honest, sometimes I just look at it and delete it. I do that with most email. I'm not a big email reader, but, um, but yeah, every single week they send out, like this week is about, um, becoming unified in Christ. They're not really related to the come follow me lessons. Like they're just separate. They're just like a little lift. Do, do you think yeah. that goes to every member of the church?
0: Um, I know that it comes to me and uh-huh. I didn't opt in for it at any time. That yeah, I me
1: either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, it
0: probably goes to everybody or maybe, yeah. maybe Melissa, we're on a special list of people who need a little extra pick me up. that's <laughs> what like-
1: it is. That is so special.
0: Would you love that job that you get to decide who gets those weekly inspiration emails? They're like, you know what?
1: And then I get the one that's like how to stop screaming at your children and you get the one that's like how to better care for your children when they're injured. And like, it's very like AI driven based on what we talk about, there's an algorithm for what church email we get. Wouldn't <laughs> it's
0: that be great? It
1: would be amazing. Yes, I want that job.
0: <laughs> I, I want to be ministered to by an AI bot.
1: <laughs> that's what it is. Perfect.
0: Well, so... This week, um, President Oaks and his wife uh, had a devotional for young adults. So this is 18 to 30-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And there were two things in the devotional that I want to talk about. So the first one is he shows these two figures. So the first figure is the percent of adults who have ever married. And it's based on U.S. census data. And, and it's he, not
1: LDS. It's, it's this, just Okay, Just the United States. Okay.
0: And so they show that... Um, 78% of men in 1990, 78% of men reported that they had ever married, and okay. 71.5% of women reported that they had. And then in the most recent census in 2020, so 30 years later, only 62% of women said that they had ever married, and 70% of men had said they had ever married. So,
1: so it's he, declining.
0: Yeah, there's fewer US adults that have ever married. Okay. And then the and it doesn't
1: matter if you've been divorced. It's just have you ever been married? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: And then the other one that he showed is the average age of first marriage, and this is only among church members. Okay. And so
1: sounds interesting. In
0: 1970, men. Oh, I wonder if I got the okay. Men, the average age of getting married the first time was 23.1 years old. Okay. And women was 21.1 years old. Uh huh and now now this is 50 years later cuz now 2020 okay. for men it's 28.5 years old and for women it's 26.8 years old so that's the average for church um, members uh-huh of when they first get married
1: yeah that's that's dramatically higher how old were you when you got married matt
0: i was 22 my wife was 19
1: okay and i think me and my husband were both 21 yeah, yeah, we were both 21 when we got married. Yeah. But I
0: I have friends in high school from high school that didn't get married till their forties. Okay. Right. But yeah. Oh, so he, he talks about how people are concerned, the brethren are concerned about these trends. And he, So
1: it is coming from a the brethren of the church. This is what we think about these trends.
0: He's just it's showing it's not coming
1: the, from okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, he's just showing the trends and then saying that the brethren are aware of these trends and then they're okay. concerned. Okay. And, and he says to young people, consider what you miss out on when marriage is intentionally delayed. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't really say what he thinks people miss out on when they delay marriage. Okay. Um, and then he mentions a couple of causes of this. Uh, he mentions specifically the shortage of affordable housing mm-hmm. and increased student debt.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, because so from- he
1: thinks it's strictly related to um, money, is the I reason so. why well, people uh, are delaying marriage or not getting married at all.
0: Well, and so his wife, um, you know, she sort of studies this stuff and she had some things to say on the topic. But President Oakes, he just focused on affordable housing crises and student debt. Hmm, and then, and then sort of said, you know, every generation has its own challenges that makes them maybe put off marriage or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I actually would not have thought of those two things as the main reasons for what's happening here.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: What do you think is happening here?
1: Well, I think marriage is frankly less important. Um, I don't know if that's true so much for church members. Um, but I do think that in general, the generation, um, marriage is less important of a thing to be involved in. Um, first of all, and then I think second of all, um, We, when we were getting married age, um, it was kind of made fun of how young members of the church get married. Yeah. And I think that um, today, the youth push against that. They don't want to fall into that stereotype. They don't want to get married and then get divorced. They don't want to get married to someone they just met a month ago. They want to get married and have marriage last. And I think for some of them, they look at um, you know relationships of adults and say like, I don't want to get divorced. I I want to be way more sure about who I'm getting married to before I get married. Um, yeah. They want a lot more security. And for us, I think we made decisions based on, yeah, this feels good. And spiritually, I feel confident. And then we pushed forward. We didn't need to have, well, financial security, we didn't really care that much about because we're like, it will come. Yeah. Um, but we didn't need to like know that we would we didn't need to have confidence that this was the right relationship and we would never get divorced. And I think a lot of people want that security now.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when I look at the figure about average age of first marriage and then his his starting point is 1970, yeah, but he really only has two points in time and he kind of draws this straight line as if it's been this linear thing over those years. It Uh could have been very different, right? So if you think about just thinking about divorce, in 1970, divorce was less common than it is now. Uh-huh. And I do wonder, like, what if you grow up in a generation where divorce is more common? Does that make you have more pause about entering into a marriage? And mm. I see, yeah, number, I think it does. And I see a number of young people that get married and divorced within like a year or two. Like, right. And so I, I think that if I were a young person or if I were talking to young people, I don't think I would focus so much on the age that you get married right? Mm -hmm. I would say don't get married at 14 or 15 or something like that. Oh, okay.
1: All right. (laughs) Sage advice. (laughs)
0: Yeah, But I just think that like, I don't know. I don't know that the the other thing I wondered, Melissa, is um, the first figure is US census. And then the other one is church membership. And then think how global the church has become from 1970 to 2020. Sure, We, We now have church members all over the world Sure. They probably don't all have the same customs. Like you said, marrying age for Uh me, it's like 20, 20, like Uh early 20s, but that's not true in other countries.
1: Well, I think that's probably true, but I think other countries probably do marry younger.
0: Oh, well, not Europe, right? Europe is.
1: uh, That's true. Not Europe. That's true. I don't know how it is
0: in, in like the Asian countries. Japan and China. And I I think other countries have a tradition of like, so we would say finish high school and then Mm -hmm. think about marriage. And I think other places would say finish college, start a career, and then think about marriage. marriage.
1: Yeah, I think so. I also wonder if the lowering the mission age for young women has anything to do with this because there are so many women who are intent on going on a mission and they can go younger. You know, when I was able to think about going on a mission, I couldn't go on a mission until I was 21. And by then, you know, the people my age were getting back from their missions. And and it was just more like focus on getting married. And I think now it's like go on a mission, go to college. And then while you're at college, maybe you'll meet someone to get married to. But it's the priority is not marriage. It's surfing a mission for a lot of young women.
0: It really is. And even more so now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think there's actually even more pressure now to serve a mission for young women than there was 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Because I and remember- I don't think there should be, but I think you're no, no. right that there is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I was a bishop at a YSA ward, I had to show young women a talk from President Hinckley where he talked about how women don't have the same obligation to serve that men do. Uh-huh. Because some of these young women had never heard of that. Yeah. And, and I was like, you don't have to serve a mission. You're not under the same obligation. And they're like, Where are you getting this from? (laughs) President Hinckley. Well,
1: and the fact of the matter is, is that they're very good missionaries. Like they've, they've they've just brought such a strength to the mission field that I think they're now watching um, older people who've already served and returned and the experiences that they've had, but also the difference that they've made. And they're saying like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Like that, that's what I want in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the second thing I wanted to talk about from his devotional is there's a young woman in the United States who writes him a letter, and okay. she's basically concerned about what she sees on social media from members of the church and what she the the stuff she hears at stake dances and stake activities where she feels like members of the church in her area aren't living aren't committed to gospel principles. So she mentions being upset by uh, being asked her pronouns at stake activities. And she mentioned something about being asked to dance at dances with people who maybe are not um, like they're transgender or something like that. That part I may not have exactly right, but there was stuff like that in this letter that she was concerned about. And then President Oak says, I've been pondering this and praying about it. And the spirit tells me that this is what I should share about this. Okay. And, And he actually shared things that I thought were different than what I've heard from him in the past. So the first thing he says is, that young people have uh, church leaders, seminary teachers, and their parents to the, to help give them inspired counsel. And then he specifically points them to the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet. And then he talks about the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet. And then he mentions uh, this, he quotes something from the pamphlet that says, with these truths as your guide, you can make inspired choices that will bless you throughout eternity. And so he, he, like the first thing I hear him saying is, Listen, when it comes to these issues, that's something you have to figure out for yourself. Okay. Like w- how you're going to follow, how you're going to make inspired choices to live the gospel.
1: Which I love because that's kind of what the new for the strength of youth is about, right?
0: Yeah. But I think specifically, and he, and I appreciate that he doesn't like call out a 16 year old who writes him a letter, but right. in some ways I like that the response to a concern about everybody else, the first thing is to say, listen receive revelation from the Lord about how to live these commandments yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: And then when it comes to other people, he says, I want to emphasize the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Mm
1: -hmm. And then he
0: says this, anyone who does not treat individuals who face gender identity challenges with love and dignity is not aligned with the teachings of the first and second great commandments. Okay. And yeah, I like that.
1: I do like that response. And I do think you're right that it's not what I expected from Elder Oaks. I think it is the right response. I think what is difficult is that we don't really understand how much for teenagers their life is lived on social media. Like it is so much their world, so much more their world than even like the face-to-face interaction. And so I think what's difficult is when you are trying to be a member of the church and you're trying to stand up for what's right, and you want to do that in your world, which is now online. And it's really difficult to know, like, how do I balance standing up for what is a principle that I believe to be true with showing love and kindness to everyone. And I think some people feel like if I don't stand up for what's right, then I'm not living the gospel right. And I like what President Oaks is saying is like, hey, you have to make good decisions for yourself and you need to get inspiration on how to do that. It's just really, really hard in a world where we comment on everybody and that we like their behavior or dislike their behavior and like their post or dislike their post. It's just such a world where we are so used to giving input on everything that everybody does that it's really hard to step back and be like, by me, just living what I know is true. That is standing up for the right enough, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that people sometimes forget the two great commandments, like we all want to stand up for the truth and we all want to stand up for what's right. But the reality is that the Lord and the prophets teach general principles, but the specific application of those principles the Lord guides each individual to their specific application. So yeah. I might feel like the best thing for me to do is never drink diet Coke, but for me yeah. to say, I'm standing up for what's right and you should not drink diet Coke or people should not drink diet Coke, right? That's, that's, that's where a little wine. And so what can we do best to stand up for the truth? We can live the two great commandments and, yeah. and in the doctrine and covenants, the Lord says like preach nothing but repentance And sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like we want to stand up for what's right about all these other various like tangential things to Jesus when really we could just stand up for Jesus Christ. And if, if I'm on social media and somebody is, let's say they're transitioning and that's bothersome to me, rather than addressing the bothersome thing about somebody transitioning, I could just do some kind of post about how much I love Jesus. And then that would actually help everybody, including possibly this person whom I'm concerned about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think it is always best to focus on the, the love commandments, right? The, the most important commandments is love. And, um, and sometimes the way that we show that love is, um, by just being quiet, frankly. Like it's not your business. Like you don't have to comment. Like it's not your business. And I do agree. Like I think the times that, um, I have been offended, by another member of the church have been when they assume that I have to live my life the same way they do in order to be righteous. Like that is offensive. No matter what the topic is, that's offensive. I also see it.
0: I also see it sometimes where somebody gets offended on behalf of another person. So you said, didn't offend me personally, but it Mm -hmm. might possibly offend this other person. So I'm going to come after you Mm -hmm, to defend mm -hmm. somebody who maybe can't defend themselves or something like that. Yeah. When really more love and more kindness it's, you're not going to like make the world angry by telling them how much you love them or how much Jesus loves them,
1: right? Right. And you still live the gospel the way that you feel is right, the way that you feel personally inspired to live it, and that's that's good. Yeah.
0: So, Melissa, let's get to some news that's a little less heavy than a.
1: a okay, I've okay, I've got something. Okay, I've got something. Do you watch American Idol?
0: Uh, in 1980,
1: 1990. Okay. Yeah. Um, I hear you. I haven't watched it forever, but this last season I just decided to watch me and my daughter. Like we were like, let's watch it. And they had some really, really good, like really good. Like it is top notch. No, I'm telling you, we started watching it like top 24 or something and they were all so good. And anyways, the point is the winner of this, um, spoiler alert, the winner of this season's American <laughs> Idol.
0: Five of you who still watch American Idol but don't yeah. know who won.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, he's a Latter-day Saint. Whoa. Um, a Latter-day Saint teen. And I just have to tell you, like we, um, so yeah, we got really invested in it, me and my daughter and watching it because we've really liked a lot of them. This boy who won, we didn't know he was LDS, um, had no idea. His name's um Tongi, and he's from Hawaii, and he's 18 years old, and he's a high school student. And he does the thing where he like wears the flowered shirts and like the lays and plays the ukulele and sings wow. this really sweet, like Hawaiian Tongan kind of style of music. And it's not music that you think would be popular, right? It's very, yeah. he has an amazing voice. Um, and we would watch him, and every time he would make it through like another thing, we'd be like, Well, he's not the best singer. But there's just something so lovable about him. So like I there's thought, just something um like just sweet and kind and pure about him. Yeah. I
0: thought American Idol was they sing cover songs of like pop music. Yeah. They get to they choose do. their own songs.
1: Well, is- no, no, he he does. He sings cover songs, but he sings them in this Hawaiian ukulele style. Oh,
0: yeah, oh. and so that's
1: just kind of his style. So, like, you've probably heard like um, "What a Wonderful World" been yeah, sung yeah, in that yeah. style. So that's like an example of what he does. But uh. like on um, on Disneyland, like they have like Disney Light, Disney Light Night. Sorry. So that was like one of the themes, and so he's sang, like lava from the Disney Pixar movie, um, or anyway, so he just, he sings that style. Anyways, the point is, is that we did not think he was the best singer, but every night after he finished, we're like, everybody loves him. He's just, (laughs) there's just something like he just, he's so lovable. Like he just, I don't know if he's going to be a big star, but we knew he was going to win. We absolutely knew because he just like everybody in the crowd just goes insane for him.
0: So is is the next like Mormon Tabernacle Choir concert going to have him come out and it'll be all like Polynesian style? I
1: don't know. Like I'm telling you, like like he 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 honestly was such a huge phenomenon. Like he just has this huge following. I don't know how you make a career out of singing that style of music. And again, um, he, he is he is a tremendous singer. But I I don't know how you make a career out of it. But anyways, congratulations to him. He won and he just did a great job just representing himself and his heritage. I, I thought it was great.
0: Melissa, that was a super happy, positive story.
1: Thanks. I tried for that. My,
0: my story, again, maybe I just find the downer stories, but...
1: It's fine.
0: Uh, we announced that there would be a temple in Cody, Wyoming, and then the plans came out. And now the people in Cody, Wyoming, not all of them, but many of them are unhappy, and they don't want a giant 100-foot temple. And so they've started a petition to, to fight oh. against the temple.
1: I don't know Cody, Wyoming. Is it a small town?
0: Yeah, it's small.
1: So this is like a big old temple coming in in the middle of their small town.
0: But it's not even in the middle of town. It's like outside of town. But, you know, the people that choose to live in Cody, Wyoming, apparently don't want big Mormon temples. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are excited about it. And I think this kind of thing happens all the time that there's opposition. Even, um, was it Heber? I think. Yeah, well,
1: it was the light ordinance with the Heber temple.
0: Yeah. So this stuff happens all the time, but.
1: Well, and this says um, it's more than triple the city's 30-foot height limit in the area's zoning district. So it's like there is a zoning district, there is an allowable height, and we're wanting to go three times that. So, I mean...
0: (laughs) Do you know what happened in Rexburg, Idaho?
1: What happened?
0: Rexburg, back in the day, they only had a fire engine that would go so high, so they had... Buildings could only be so high in Rexburg. so Oh, because that's you,
1: how you can put out a fire?
0: Yeah. In, so if, okay. when you were there at Rick's College, the dorms are all like two or three stories. I think it okay, could be yeah. more than... Then they built the temple and the temple was bigger than the zoning ordinance allowed. And so somebody helped the city get a larger fire truck. And oh. so then they changed the zoning so you could build bigger ones. And now you see bigger apartment complexes in okay. Rexburg. Okay. That's interesting
1: behind the, the scenes. So maybe, yeah, maybe the church just needs to offer to...
0: Buy a, buy a
1: few more fire engines and we'll be yeah. good to go. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, I have an article from the Desert News, and it talks about um, how um, Latter-day Saint temples are not really such a mystery anymore. And it kind of goes through how in the past decade, the church has become a lot more transparent about what happens inside temples. So we've had um, the church release a video about um, the temple clothing and showing what the temple clothing is and how we wear it and what we wear. And then, um, they did, um, virtual tours that they've released like out on YouTube. And, um, in 2021, the church, um, handbook was released online and all of that information that was about temple covenants and ordinances in the church handbook was now public. Anyways, and then, yeah, they've been, um, we've seen a lot more news articles about what's happening in the temples. And so, It's just kind of an interesting piece on how we are not really – like we're not really trying to emphasize it as a big secret. We're trying to emphasize it as this is something that we participate in and it's not that weird. And if we maybe just let you know a little bit more about it, maybe you won't think we're so weird and you'll understand why we're building all these temples.
0: So that's maybe a, a move towards more transparency in some mm. things.
1: It could be, yeah. yeah. And I think it's just more of a public relations, just being like, "Hey, we're going to have a lot of temple open houses because we're building oh. a lot more temples, and go ahead and come. And this isn't a weird thing. And yeah, yeah. So I think and people want to know
0: what's. They're like, what's happening in there, and why can't any of us go in there? Well, and so, yeah, yeah. Uh. And so
1: for in the next five months, there are going to be o- temple open houses. For all of these places Columbus, Ohio, Saratoga Springs, Utah, Helena, Montana, Bentonville, Arkansas, Moses Lake, Washington, Brasilia, Brazil, Feather River, California. Bangkok, Thailand; Saint George, Utah; and Okinawa, Japan. All in the next five months Wait, are Saint open George... houses for the public. Oh, Saint George, it's... they renovated. It's not their new temple; but not yeah. the Washington one. But yeah, and then there's nine more temples that are nearing open house stage. So just a little bit more than five months from now are nine Is, more temples. Does
0: it tell you when the Saint George one's happening? Because I would love to go have my kids see that. Yeah. So but it'll it's be in July,
1: September through November.
0: Oh, good, good. They, they're going to make it like over fall break. So that everyone who's down there anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then the Red Cliffs Temple. So the second St. George area temple is going to be within like the next year. So two.
0: I'm just just trying to plan vacations. I can persuade my wife. Let's go on a trip to Bangkok to go to the temple. (laughs) But but Moses Lake won't make my list. If you're from Moses Lake, it's beautiful, but it's not going to be on my vacation list.
1: Yeah. No, St. George would work. And then, um, just real quickly, um, we have a status update of all of the 133 temples. So President Nelson himself has announced 133 temples. Wow! And there's a status update of all of those, um, and you can look at it at it in our show notes. But um, I think of of those 133 that he has announced, only four have actually been dedicated. So wow. there's still about 130 that are somewhere in the building stage. How so, about yeah.
0: that one in the greater Russia area and that one he announced in China? In
1: China, <laughs> yeah. In
0: the very, very beginning, not doing anything yet stages.
1: Yeah, but announced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my
0: story is a little shorter. So uh, Elder Mark, hold on, I got to look up his name. Uh, Elder Mark Palmer, I, S. Mark Palmer. I almost said Mark Peterson. I'm like, no, no, that person's That's no longer alive. S. Mark Palmer uh, was in Central America and Guatemala, and he encouraged the youth there to leave their nets straightway and serve missions.
1: Okay. Um, specifically to the youth in that area of the world?
0: Do
1: you well, think that's, that's who he was talking to.
0: Yeah. Um, I, actually, I think that when the mission age was lowered, um, in Utah, at least what I noticed in Utah and Idaho, there became this strong tradition of... We want to get our mission calls while we're still seniors in high school, and we Mm -hmm. want to announce them in our seminary classes and all of that stuff. And I don't think that that same fire has caught all over the world. I also think with the pandemic, there were people that were delaying mission service Mm -hmm. and that some people were like, I I need to wait. I need to wait. And so I think that there's a message now going out saying, now's the time to get back on a mission. Now's the time to serve again. And let's get back to work.
1: Do you think financially it's more of a burden for youth in that area to serve missions?
0: No, because the church will help you pay for a mission if you can't afford a mission. Mm -hmm. The the mission fund, right? So so in in my ward, there are so many people that give to the ward mission fund and everything our ward doesn't use in the ward mission fund goes to the church mission fund that helps missionaries around the world serve. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's a financial thing. I think it's more of like a, and I actually don't think it's just Central America. I think it's there's not a strong culture of missionary service everywhere mm-hmm. and, a, and a push to get back on missions everywhere.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, um, it is Mental Health Awareness Month in May. Um, and the church has, um, they've just put out a several articles this month that are um, dealing with mental health. They put out a podcast about mental health. And then um, just, yeah. So just on the church news, they have, you know, a big section about Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I... I am interested in this topic just because um, I, I have a lot of family members that deal with mental health issues. I um, I appreciate the church making an effort to shine a light on this. I appreciate the church talking about it. I'm not sure I like all of their articles and all of their approaches to it.
0: You just think, don't agree with everything they say about it?
1: Well, I think it's a complicated issue, right? So yeah. um, in our ward, um, at the end of every high school year they have the graduating seniors give a talk and it's just kind of a tradition so last sunday was our graduating seniors talk and one of the um youth who spoke she was really open about like um Seminary was difficult for me because I have severe social anxiety and um, depression. And um, in life in general, in school is hard. But in seminary, it's really difficult because one of the things that people don't understand about people who have um, mental health issues, specifically depression or OCD, is that it's very difficult to feel the spirit. It's yeah. very, very difficult. And she was so open and honest and frank about it. And and I loved it. I I was so proud that she was able to do that, proud because she was one of my Sunday school students. But <laughs> just I was just proud that she was able to do that and to be open and to talk about it. and And I like that. And again, I know it's a complicated issue, but I feel like some of these articles from the church news are like, for example, service changed my life. The protective factor of service in combating depression. Okay. I know there are some forms of depression that service can be helpful for. But I do think it's dangerous to be like, hey, just change your thoughts or just go help somebody else and you won't have depression anymore. But I, I get that's not what they're trying to say. But again, I think it's a difficult topic, and I'm glad they're shining light on it. But I do think there's some things here that, that make me uncomfortable.
0: But Melissa, think how far the church has come in 20 years. Because It's so true, yes. When when I was a missionary, I really did believe that all a person needed was a copy of the Book of Mormon and a place to pray, and yeah. all of their problems could be solved. That's and true. I, I still believe that. But mm. I also believe that there are things that you solve with medical help and yeah. the treatment of professionals. Yeah. And – And when I was on a mission, uh, we had a doctor, we called him Dr. Nick, who could help us with our, like, if we got sick or something like that. Uh But there was nothing of mental health or any of that sort of stuff. And now it seems Mm -hmm. like every mission has, like, psychologists that they can turn to. And so I think they've come a long way. I I honestly think, Melissa, the mental health awareness stuff is designed to help it get down into, like, the high schools. Because Hmm. I'm not sure how many people in a seminary class would say, I can't feel the spirit because I have mental health issues, mm-hmm. or how that how well that might be received in a seminary class. Mm-hmm. So I think the church is saying if we can just get more content out there, we can help get this message down to like yeah. people who aren't paying attention.
1: Yeah, and I can appreciate that. Um, I really can, and and I do think that like giving a list of things that you can do that might be helpful is not a bad idea. I, I'm yeah. not saying that. I just I do think that. I do think that sometimes we attack it as, and then if you just get over this one little bump, you'll be fine. And <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. yeah.
0: I know. I know. I feel, I actually feel so bad for the people that struggle with mental health issues for, cause it, it is a lifelong thing for so many people Yeah, and and there is no end in sight. And sometimes it can just feel so dark. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move to something a little more fun, Melissa.
1: I love fun. Is this going we're going to do some <laughs>
0: famous Mormons.
1: Oh, okay. Famous Mormons, you tell me some people, and I guess which one is a famous Mormon or is semi adjacent to being famous or so being it, Mormon. <laughs> yeah, so nor-
0: normally Mormon adjacent is good enough, but okay. this time I chose somebody who's like all in in the gospel.
1: Oh, okay. And great. they
0: also happen to be all in in games. So it's oh, famous okay. Mormons. Who, are, who have invented games. So I'm going to tell oh. you three people and then games that they invented. And you're going to decide which one is the famous Mormon.
1: Okay, this sounds fun. Okay.
0: So have you ever heard of the game Ticket to Ride? Yeah, for sure. Okay, Alan Moon invented Ticket to Ride.
1: Okay, so, Alan Moon, Ticket to Ride. Okay.
0: okay. Have you ever heard of the game Pit? Yes. Okay, it's like a stock market kind of trading game.
1: Yeah, it's a card game though. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh-huh. Frank
0: Norris invented Pit. How and long
1: ha- ago? I feel like that's an old one. Okay. Well, you know. Okay, go ahead. They go don't ahead. have
0: to be living in whatever. Okay, and then there's a person, I don't know his first name, but it's, his name's Grandpa Beck, and he invented Cover Your Assets
1: and Skull King uh,
0: and Cover Your Kingdom. Grandpa <laughs>
1: Beck invented so many games. Matt, we play Skull King every single Sunday.
0: I know. I really like Grandpa Beck games. Okay. I do too. Okay, which of them do you think is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints?
1: Well, I wanted to be Grandpa Beck, but I don't know. Is it Grandpa Beck?
0: It is Grandpa Beck.
1: It is. He's actually a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
0: He is. And are you I, sure? And his games are all sold in Deseret Book.
1: Well, I yeah. know, but they sell a lot of games. They sell like Bananagrams. Like, that's not...
0: LDS Living did a whole story about Grandpa Beck, talking about his life and his wife. He's been married for a long time. And uh, he loves games, and um, yeah. there's it's in the it's in the show notes. You can read the link and hear all about Grandpa Beck. But the reason that Grandpa Beck is near and dear to my heart is we were playing Skull King one time, and we had a question about the game, yes. and yes. you contacted Grandpa Beck.
1: Look, I'm I'm looking for it right now. So Grandpa Beck has on his on the back of his games, like on the actual box of his games, he's like. Hey, if you ever have any questions, just send me, just give me a call or send me a text. And I was like, for reals? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've texted,
0: I would, him, I've texted him a
1: few times, like honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, I have a grandpa back text grandpa, stream.
0: Grandpa back. I'm lonely tonight. What should I watch on TV? <laughs>
1: Okay, well, no, but it is funny because whenever we are like, no, that's not fair, you can't do that, and we do make up a lot of rules, but Grandpa Beck's cool with making up rules. So yeah, like I texted him. Anyways, the last time I texted him, he said... Text because I said we play your games every Sunday and and here's the question that we have and then he said well send me a picture of your family playing games so I texted him a picture of all of us around the kitchen <laughs> table and he, this is what he said so sweet to see your whole family hanging out together please play together stay together the best to you all Grandpa Beck like he's so cute so, and then he sent me a picture of him and his wife playing cards like he's really he's yeah like, so.
0: In the in the LDS Living story, it talks about when he was a bishop and he was just so busy all of the time. Oh, the really? one thing his family made time for was game night on Sunday nights. And so like for their family, game night was this big tradition on Sunday nights. So he probably really appreciates that he's sharing the joy with other people.
1: Oh, that's fun. Well, like, yeah, and I've heard a lot of missionaries play his games. And oh. I just figured it's because they're good games. I didn't know he was LDS. So that's super fun.
0: So now they're called church games, right? Now we don't have to find like tennis shoes among the Nephites, the board game. We can <laughs> just play so. skulking and say, we're supporting a member of the church. We're
1: supporting a member of the church. No, that's <laughs> cute. That's fun. Well, I get, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. I'm glad to know that. Should I text Grandpa Beck and be like, hey, we're recording a podcast. Do you have anything you want to add?
0: Say Grandpa Beck? He's not, not. going to text you right back right now.
1: He. I'm telling you, he texts back.
0: Okay, tell him. Tell him we're talking about him on the original Mormon slash Latter Day Saint news podcast. And okay. if he has anything he wants to add, he has to text right away to tell us. But okay, I'm going to. While you're, text-
1: okay, while you're texting too. him,
0: Melissa, we're going to move on to big deal, little deal, or no deal.
1: Okay, I'm sorry, I can't do two things at once. Okay. But I, I I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll, te- I'll text. Go him ahead and, and send your.
0: No, go ahead and send the text.
1: Okay, hold uh, on, Grandpa. Back. Tell me what to say. <laughs> Grandpa Peck, we are currently recording talking about you. a podcast called This Week in Mormons. I'm sure you've heard of it you know and of are it. a regular listener. Right. Period. Would you like to comment? We're talking about how you are an awesome member of the church and an amazing game creator! Exclamation That's a su- point. Super long text,
0: Melissa. And then say, Yeah, we're you have-
1: friends. We text all the time. Oops. Okay. That came, I was I was speak texting. <laughs> Oops, that came across.
0: Okay. And then you can tell them you have like not very long to respond because we're moving on in the podcast.
1: Okay. 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 All right. Hold on.
0: If you have a message for the listeners of the original Mormon news podcast, you better get it in now.
1: Okay. Done. Okay.
0: Okay. So uh, big deal, little deal, no, no deal, Melissa. We'll go mine first because you're a little bit distracted at the second at the moment (laughs) apparently the the church handbook has instructions on how to handle preferred names or pronouns things with like transgender issues right so there's some really interesting tidbits in the the church handbook but there's now a section on like people who are transitioning or your child is maybe struggling with gender dysphoria so the church Wait, hand- is this
1: the headline? I'm waiting for a headline so I can tell I you have this ex- big deal.
0: I have to explain okay, the fine. headline, right? So you have to tell I'm me sorry. is this a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Okay. Ready, set, go. Big deal. Big
1: deal. Yeah. Ooh, we I both think big deal. Think, yeah. yeah. I don't know if this came out as an article or if it's just something that somebody noticed and was like, hey, did you know this is in here?
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's an article, but I did put a link to that section in the show notes if people okay. want to find it really quickly. I think it's fascinating. On a lot of these social issues, I find myself going right to the handbook to see what the church says about the issues. Yeah. And I find that usually what the church's policy is on some position is not what either political party is fighting for in politics at the moment.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah.
0: but I think it's well overdue because um, transgender people have been with us for a very long time. and. And bishops don't know what to do. And yeah. parents don't know what to do. Yeah. And so it's really nice to, as much as I value the instruction on hypnosis in the general handbook, I've, I, I equally value <laughs> new guidelines on how to deal with uh, gender dysphoria issues.
1: Okay. So I'm looking at this and it it's, um, it's what is the church's position on transitioning right from the church handbook? And it says, church leaders counsel against elective medical or surgical intervention for the purpose of attempting to transition to the opposite gender of a person's um, birth sex. Okay. So um, counsel against that, which is fine. Um, Leaders. I'm sorry. I'm looking for where it says something about pronouns.
0: Oh, do you think it says something about pronouns?
1: I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here it is. If a member decides to change his or her preferred name oh, yeah. or pronouns of address, the name preference may be noted in the preference in the preferred name field on the membership record. The person may be addressed by the preferred name in the ward. The church does not take a position on the causes of people identifying themselves as transgender. Yeah, this is interesting because my name is Melissa, but um, people call me Millie. Yeah, and the last time I got um released from a church calling, they said, we would like to release Millie Jensen. And I was like, (laughs) oh, actually my name's Melissa. But then I looked and yeah, on the church, like preferred names, my name is Millie Jensen. And so that's what they're, you know, calling me to callings using that name. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's no big deal with that. You can have any
0: name you want to have on your church records. Yeah.
1: And then it does say that, um, that transgender people and their parents, um, go ahead and counsel with um, a doctor concerning all of these types of things if you want to. And it says that transgender individuals um, who are worthy can receive church callings, temper, temple recommends and temple ordinances. Anyways, there's a lot here. I, yeah. I do think you should look at it.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, I re- I've read it many times and I think it's really helpful because yeah. if you don't know somebody who's transgender in your life right now, it really is only a matter of time before you'll encounter someone you love who struggles with gender dysphoria. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a, a common thing in our modern world. Okay. So it's nice to have direction. Okay, Melissa, what's yeah, yours? I
1: agree. Okay, here's my headline. One in four U.S. Mormons has thought about leaving the LDS church. Three, two, one. Little no. deal.
0: <laughs> No deal at all. You say
1: no deal at all. I love bringing you these studies because it's always (laughs) fun to hear what you think about it. Don't you think it's a little bit of a deal that one in four members of the church has thought about leaving?
0: Well, except for that one in four of all Americans have thought about leaving their church. So we're exactly the same as the national average. Okay. This is a story by Jana Reese, and I, I teach a class in survey research right now. So I have a student that's actually interested in this topic, like why people leave churches and join churches. And so... I was helping her design a survey and we saw that PRRI, the public religion research Institute had just done this big national survey that asked a lot of the questions she was interested in. So I saw these data before I saw Jana Reese's story on the data. And so when she had a thing that said one in four members of our church have thought about leaving the church, I'm like, That's one in four of everybody. One in four atheists. Like, I mean, I haven't looked down by denomination, but that's the national average in that survey is Mm -hmm. 25% of people have thought about leaving their church.
1: Okay. What if I have a different take on this? Okay. I haven't thought it through very much, but I'm just, I'm thinking this right now.
0: Okay. I actually
1: think that number is kind of low. 25% have thought about leaving the church. Like I almost think like, Haven't 95% thought about leaving the church. Like, isn't the whole (laughs) point of our being a member of the church is that you have to make a choice to become a member of our church? Like, you have to make a choice to be a member of our church, and you have to make a choice, like, often and regularly to remain active as a member of our church because there is a lot required of you as a member of our church, a lot more than many other religions, right? Like, temple attendance, church attendance, serving in a calling, like, all of those things are like they're they're big asks, and I think probably, honestly, maybe ninety five percent of people at some point have to be like, "Is this what I actually choose?" Don't you think?
0: Yeah. So do you know what I think is the story? I wish that Jana Reese would have written based on these data. Uh huh. We actually know what percentage of Americans have actually left their church,
1: not oh. five,
0: actually left. So yeah percent of the people who uh, are thirty-seven ca- percent of the people who say I left my church left the Catholic Church, uh-huh. and twenty-four percent of them left a Protestant church. Okay, and then, and then our church numbers are such a low percentage that it just gets marked in as other churches, and then that's five percent. So uh-huh. that means at most five percent of Americans have left. Five percent of the American members of our church have left our church but possibly huh. even lower.
1: That's and, not very high.
0: Right. To me, that's the real story in the data. Interesting. Because huh. there's people out there that make it sound like people are leaving our church in droves. And like right. they make it sound like U.S. Mormons are really unhappy with the church and they're just leaving. And based on the, these data, it's not happening in our church. It's at most huh. 5% and probably less than that.
1: Yeah, that is, that is really interesting. That is, I think, a better take on the research, as you're saying. Yeah, because... Because that's a lot lower than I would think it would be.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: So, Interesting. so, who cares
0: if they're thinking about it? I want to know <laughs> if they're actually doing it.
1: I actually like that we're thinking about it. I actually like that we're digging into our belief and our testimony. On a semi regular basis. Like I think that's a good thing. I think that's much better than just being like, yeah, I'm a member of this church because like that's what I do in my neighborhood and in my, you know, social circle. I like that we're digging in and really being members of the church because we have a belief and a testimony and a dedication to it. I like that.
0: Do you want to know the other thing I think is cool from this study? Not the mm-hmm. Jana Reese story, but and we have a link to the the whole study in the show yeah. notes. Twenty-two percent of the members of the church in the United States are converts. Really? Yeah, I like that. That's really too. interesting. I would have written that story too. Yeah. <laughs> that, right? That sometimes it yeah. feels like people are just in the United States are just born in the church and stay in the church. And yeah. we don't have many converts. But there's a lot of growth of converts in the United States.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, Jana Reese. Matt has yeah. a lot of article ideas for you <laughs> that you could write in the future from this same research. I <laughs> do right. like I do like how much Janice. I mean, she's obviously a religion writer, um, but yeah, I do like reading her books and her articles. I think I think she does give us an interesting perspective. But yeah, great. Okay, what you got next?
0: No, it's yours. Your headline. Oh,
1: okay, okay. Here's my headline. Ready? Women's conference, BYU women's conference talks on how to avoid spiritual overwhelm. Three, two, one.
0: Big deal. deal.
1: Oh, we're, well, we're I little I, deal. Have,
0: I have no idea what the word spiritual overwhelm means. So I was just thinking like, maybe there's yeah. this new concept out there I've never heard of and that's a big deal.
1: It is kind of a new concept that I haven't heard of either, a spiritual overwhelm. I just think it's interesting that this is what came up in Women's Conference, which we already talked about last month that happened. But I just think it's interesting that women of the church are feeling spiritually overwhelmed. Like I, And I, I don't so think that's let me, wrong.
0: Let me understand I, what that means, is that I'm so overwhelmed by the spirit, I'm feeling great. And I'm just like overwhelmed by the spirit. Like to me, that sounds like a positive thing. I'm overwhelmed by the power of the spirit in my life. Or is this a different idea?
1: No, I think this is a different. I think this is a different idea. I think. Okay, so women often feel overwhelmed, like they should always be doing more, right? Oh, oh, oh! But oh. this is this. The difference is, what if we don't focus on that? But what if we focus on receiving more? Right. And so then I think that women start to be like, I don't know, like, like, um, like there's this whole abundance philosophy, right? Like, if I imagine abundance, then I will have abundance. And that with spirituality, it's a more of a feeling of abundance and overwhelm. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: So is that different from burnout?
1: I. Don't it's like
0: they're overwhelmed with their callings, they're overwhelmed with all the things, all the obligations. Is it like they're serving but not finding the joy in service? Because um, if it's one of those, I need to change my answer from I big think deal you're to right. no deal. No, like, I think
1: you're right. I think the way that you explained it is right. Yes,
0: okay. So, yeah. then, so this is one of those where they just invented a new phrase to describe something that we've already known about, maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then I change my answer, Melissa. To no deal. To no deal. I mean, I love when people change phrases, right, to be politically correct or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the reason is. Uh, My favorite is this book, Grit, that's so popular and everyone starts talking about Grit and I'm like, what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, I think my problem is, is that – I think that's focusing on this is focusing on yourself, which I'm not against women like advocating for themselves and focusing on themselves. But I think what this is doing is saying like, I think what a lot of women do is they think that they're responsible for their own spirituality, but also the spirituality of all of their children and their husband and the class that they teach and their neighbors. Like I Mm -hmm. think that they take on too much and then they're like, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed. And like really what you're doing is trying to control the world and it's not yours to control. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, again, I think this focus, I think the focus is wrong. And I think saying like, oh, we need to help you avoid spiritual overwhelm. And the solution that they said is like, just focus on line upon line, precept upon precept. And what I want to say is focus on not trying to control everybody in the world around you. Just have a relationship with the Savior and don't try to make sure that everybody else has that same relationship, I guess. Like I think we overdo it.
0: So my next story, Melissa, takes a very different turn. It's oh, a woman okay. who is very not at all concerned <laughs> with being spiritually <laughs> overwhelmed.
1: Okay, let's hear your headline. You
0: know OnlyFans is – do I have to describe what OnlyFans is for you?
1: Um, I think OnlyFans oh, cool. is where you have an account that people pay to –
0: Watch you do stuff. Name,
1: remember. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so they'll usually have an Instagram where they're posting like photos in bikinis. But then if you want to see some more, pay me money on my OnlyFans page and then I'll take off more clothes for you to see or do, I don't know. It's okay. something like that. I, okay. I, the, what, what I know from OnlyFans is OnlyFans at one point announced that they were no longer going to allow porn on OnlyFans. And all the news stories was about how everybody was leaving OnlyFans. And so then OnlyFans changed back to allowing pornography on OnlyFans. So, so that's this what it is, sounds
1: like. It's like personal pornography that I pay for.
0: Yeah. So, that's, so I, we, have to, we have to talk about that so that you understand the headline. Okay. okay.
1: okay.
0: Holl- Holly Jane, age 39, was not willing to quit her OnlyFans venture despite her bishop demanding that she delete her account. Is that a big deal? A little deal? Or no deal. Three, two, one.
1: Big deal. Big deal. Big okay. deal. Well, I, I I've I've heard of this story before. Like she's yeah. supposedly an active member of the church, but then she has this like lifestyle that's not yeah. very church friendly. T- I think she has twenty six
0: thousand a- Instagram followers, and she makes thirty two thousand dollars a month on OnlyFans, and wow. she is active in the church. She attends regularly, but her bishop told her to get rid of this OnlyFans account. And when she refused to do that, another story says that she's been banished from the church. It's a, it's a UK story. So I don't know what banished from the church means, but, but some I'm guessing
1: disciplinary action.
0: Yeah, That's what I'm guessing. So, ha, so it's
1: interesting because, rent. well, I think it's a big deal because again, it's, it's this line that we're walking of judgment, right? So it's like, it's like she's putting herself out there and saying, like, this is what I do. And so she, in that way, she's making herself a public figure and opening the door for anybody to have a comment or an opinion on it. But I think another issue is that this is apparently how she supports her family. I don't know if she has a family, but supports herself. So it's her job, right? Yeah. So is the bishop allowed to tell you that you cannot, d- have that job in order to stay a member of the church or like, are there other examples where of a job that you couldn't be a member of the church if you had that job?
0: So that's my question. Like, is, is this different from if I owned a bar and I sold alcohol to people or if I owned a coffee shop and all I do is sell coffee to people, is this different than that? Right. Because I do know members of the church that, well, maybe they don't own bars, but they own restaurants and most of their money is made on the alcohol they sell in the bar. And, or you own a
1: Marriott hotel and you make money off of um, pornography being purchased at the TVs in your hotel rooms. Yeah. Like that's a thing that happens.
0: So is this one of those things where we say we trust the local leaders and if the bishop feels inspired to have disciplinary action, he knows her. She's part of his flock and his stewardship. And so we say maybe maybe people do get disciplinary action for owning a coffee shop or for owning a bar. Owning
1: a bar. Do Maybe. They I don't know.
0: I don't know either. Yeah. Um, well, so that's why I thought it was a big deal because I thought this is this is something I've never heard of before. It's possible uh-huh. that all of these years there's members of my ward that are doing porn like making pornography and selling it, but it's uh-huh. not public on Instagram or OnlyFans and so I would never have known about it. So this is like seems like this new world, right, where it's like uh-huh. now people can know that that's what a person's doing for a living. And I'm not aware of anything in the handbook that where it says like whether you can or can't. Now, of course, as a moral question and as an individual question, right. I wouldn't choose that for myself, but um, I just don't know. Like, it just seems a big deal because it seems new. new. Well,
1: I do think it's a big deal, and I it's hard to talk about this without making a judgment, right? But I do wonder, like, is she married? Is this an issue of her? She's not keeping her covenants, like her marriage covenants, because that would Fall again mm. in line, you know, yeah. with church yeah. disciplinary action. Um, it's hard to know.
0: Apostasy is right when right. you're te- when you're publicly teaching something that's different than the teachings of the church. So maybe right. teaching yeah. through your behavior. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, all I know is that it would be difficult to be the bishop in this situation, yeah. but it would also be difficult to be Holly Jane because she's still attending church. Right? She still has a belief in a foundation, and and wants to keep attending church. And but also doesn't want to stop doing what she's doing. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting.
0: Okay, well let's move on to happy stuff. Mormons doing goodly. I have
1: Mormons doing goodly. I haven't <laughs> sung for a while, so I thought it was time.
0: I love it. this is why we don't pre-record one, Melissa, because I always enjoy it when you'll just do it sing that like, for
1: you. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't need to record it in advance.
1: Everybody loves it. I know.
0: So these are both from the church news. Um, but I like it. They highlight Mormons doing goodly.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: Kentucky governor. Thanks uh, the Church of Jesus Christ for flood relief. So the story is, some three thousand Latter Day Saints gave sixty five thousand hours of service to clean out eight hundred sixty seven damaged homes in Kentucky in August of last year. And so the governor formally thanked the church for that. And yeah, so I say yeah, let's give a hand of like give a hand to all of the Mormon Helping Hands that are out there. I don't know if they've changed their brand now. But...
1: No, it's still Mormon Helping Hands, and it's still the yellow shirts. And yeah. Yeah,
0: I have I have a friend that lives in hurricane areas. And every time there's a hurricane, like everybody in the ward picks up and goes wherever people the damage was and helps clean up. And yeah, it makes me grateful to live in earthquake areas, right? Because there's so few earthquakes. And when they are, they don't cause a lot of damage. But if you live in areas with flooding and tornadoes and hurricanes, you're spending a lot of time helping other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's nice that, um, the church can get recognition, but this recognition was to specific members and I thought that was pretty cool too.
0: Yeah. And then the other one is there's a group, a nonprofit called daybreak the daybreak vision project. It's a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing sight, restoring cataract surgery to those in greatest need. And, uh, recently in a collaboration with the church, uh, 500 Ghanaians Received mm-hmm. the gift of sight thanks to that collaboration.
1: Which is amazing. You don't really understand that there's people in the world who live in blindness because they don't have the medical technology that we do, right?
0: Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. who Mr. Beast is?
1: No. Is he LDS? <laughs> Are you going to put him on next week's podcast?
0: The The YouTuber that's LDS and super popular is Mark Rober. But Mr. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mr. Beast is a pot. A, he has a YouTube channel with a billion followers. He has. So he oh. gives away money on his YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And not very long ago, one of his big videos was I'm going to cure blindness for a 1000 people. And so he basically wow. was paying for people to get these cataract surgeries. But he did it in a highly publicized kind of way, which again, it's great that Mr. Beast was doing that. Yeah. I like that the church is teaming up with organizations to help more people cure blindness. It's yeah. so simple to do for so many people, yeah. and it's, it's great that we're doing it.
1: Yeah, awesome. Okay, Matt. This week in Mormon history.
0: Okay, I have I have a couple of fun stories here, Melissa.
1: Oh, you always do. I okay. Mormon history. Tell me what's old news.
0: Seventy years <laughs> ago this week, Apostle okay. Spencer W. Kimball publishes a repudiation of Norman C. Pierce's book, The Coming of the Great White Chief. And Spencer W. Kimball says, If members of the church would always check the authenticity of such stories through the church authorities before spreading them abroad, it would save much embarrassment and deception. And I actually checked. This book is still available on Amazon.com. So, you know, it's one of these people. It happens all the time in the church where a person Publishes a, a book and makes it seem like it's endorsed by church leaders or whatever, or okay. people start believing it. So this one was the coming of the great white chief. It's all about. What was about it
1: supposed to be about?
0: A white messiah that was going to come to the Native Americans, and I don't know. Said oh, uh, fit with old legends or something like that, and so, huh.
1: so. Well, I remember President Kimball. So it can't. Seventy years ago is a long time ago, but it seems like he was not the prophet then. He was an apostle then.
0: He was an apostle.
1: And like I, he was like, Hey, and just I don't embarrass us.
0: <laughs> I think it's cute that <laughs> the members of the Quorum of the Twelve at that time thought it would be helpful to repudiate like <laughs> weird books. <laughs> I, I don't think they have the time anymore to do that. That's
1: true. That is true. The
0: council remains, right? Don't just believe stuff because it's in a book, especially a self-published book, or I created my own publishing company so that I could publish these kinds of books because other people wouldn't let this information get out. It's like,
1: Ad day, Bell.
0: <laughs> just because it's in a book does not yeah. mean that it's true.
1: Okay. Okay. okay.
0: 110 years ago, Okay. Uh, the National Council of the Boy Scouts of America invited the church's MIA scout organization to formally join the BSA, thus beginning a long association between young men's and the Boy Scouts.
1: Huh. 110 years ago. And, huh. and ha- now it's dissolved. Now it's no more. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I feel like hundred years was a bit long for that relationship to last. Do you? I, I, um... I love many things about the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't fit the global church. Um, That's
1: true. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah.
0: And yeah, and, so that
1: was 110 years ago. So we lasted probably about 100 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is a long time. And I'm sure it was an inspired thing to do. And yeah. You, did you notice we ended that relationship, right? As the Boy Scouts of America got sued by lots of young men who had been molested mm-hmm. by their Scout leaders?
1: I did notice that. I you did actually notice that. that, that
0: yeah. It really fast. Okay, 135 years ago. So this is going to be near the time of the Manti Temple dedication. Okay. This is a journal entry from Heber J. Grant, who was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve at the time. Okay. He said, I regret more than words of mine can tell the absence of a majority of the members of our quorum from the dedication of the Manti Temple. And my gratitude will know no bounds when in the kind providences of our Heavenly Father, Our quorum can meet as they did before the raid under the Edmunds Tucker bill started. Uh, No pen can picture the sufferings and heartaches our people have undergone. I take no pleasure in thinking about them or writing anything on the subject. So it just
1: I have no idea what this is about, but man, he's a flowery writer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the Edmunds Tucker Act said made polygamy illegal.
1: Okay.
0: So because polygamy was illegal, members of the church who were practicing polygamy had to go into hiding. And so the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles couldn't meet together, and the Manti Temple is being dedicated, and they can't go to the dedication because they'll get arrested and thrown into jail.
1: Oh, okay. So 135 years ago, that happened, and he was writing about it and being like, but hey, one day in heaven, we'll all meet together as a quorum.
0: Yeah, and he was looking forward to the day that it would happen again. So. I know, like when pe- sometimes people will ask me who is the best president of the United States, they'll be like, How do you rank them? And mm, I, and you put- like
1: Bill Clinton?
0: Benjamin Harrison <laughs> always gets in the top five for me.
1: Okay. He
0: pardoned all of the Mormon polygamists.
1: Oh.
0: Grover Cleveland in his second term came in and then granted, so Benjamin Harrison was amnesty. Grover okay. Cleveland was a full pardon. So those huh. two always get in my list of top five presidents because. They solved this huge problem that we had, which was I see, like, because of polygamy and then that Supreme Court case, the United States government could just take away all of our assets, throw people into jail, and mm-hmm. it, it never was resolved until the pardon happened. Um, otherwise, we would still today be running away from the police and saying, please don't take our $150 billion That's <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> please don't take that from us.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, Um, I don't give any thought to any of those things because <laughs> it's just not in my area of thought at all. Um, but that was interesting and entertaining. And who is your actual favorite president? I, I joked that it's Bill Clinton, but who's your actual favorite?
0: So the best president of the United States is always going to be George Washington
1: because yeah.
0: because he chose to step down. So the truth yeah. is most new democracies end up kind of like what happened with Russia, where you have this president that doesn't ever leave and just stays in power forever. Mm-hmm. It easily could have happened here. George Washington was so popular. He could have been president till he died. And his willingness to step down made it so that we could have the freedoms we have today. So he'll always be number one for stepping down.
1: And I learned this when I visited um, Mount Vernon. Um and the fact that he didn't have any heirs yeah um made it made everybody feel safe like this won't become like a king thing where everybody like it's handed down generationally.: Yeah, is that right?
0: Yeah, well, that because was a we, huge. look, part of look it. at me
1: pretending to be smart in in history.: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, and then number two will always be in my book, Abraham Lincoln for Freeing the Slaves mm-hmm. ending slavery, so. Mm -hmm. Those ones are one and two. And so then once I put in Grover Cleveland and Benjamin Harrison, there's not a that's my Mount Rushmore. It's it's (laughs) full. There's there's no one else.
1: That that was a fun way to end this week in Mormons this week, Matt. Thank thank you so much for sharing.
0: (laughs) Hey listener, we would like to encourage you to subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media at Facebook.com/slash This Week in Mormons, Twitter at the Real Twim. Uh you can also send us an email with feedback to contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can visit our website, thisweekinmormons.com, to leave a voice comment. If you yeah. want us to read the mailbag, you want us to play what you said, you can do it there. You can also become a patron at patron.com slash thisweekinmormons to unlock bonus episodes and bonus content. So
1: Yeah, and we are going to record bonus content for our Patreon listeners this week. So
0: We are. We're going to talk about... Uh, Anti-Mormon bias in academia. There was a Q and A with Patrick Mason, and yeah. also, and I,
1: I'm, I'm going to make it not boring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also, I have a podcast that I record called The Latter Day Lens, and I'd love to have you join me on The Latter Day Lens. We record that every week. New episodes drop on Wednesdays.
1: Yeah, awesome.
0: Hey, listener, thanks for making, thanks for listening to. The original Latter-day Saint news podcast.
1: The original Mormon news podcast. And the best. And the, it? the best.
0: I'm the too. best too. The All original right. and the best.
1: Talk to you soon.